Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? Yes? You all okay? Good. Feels really surreal being up here tonight, like with the team, like just being me and Connie, and I don't feel like I've spoken preach-wise for quite a while. Um, To say I'm nervous would be an understatement. (laughs) It's really funny, isn't it? So yeah, if, uh, if I drop dead, it's just from the palpitations. Just call the paramedics and feel free to talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> now, it's funny, I was just speaking to Sarah at the side. It's bizarre because generally in life, everything is about conversation. So the reason why you think something or feel something is because you've heard somebody say something somewhere or you've spoken to someone in your, in your day and then the thought that you had based on what you heard you then convey to somebody else very rarely do we have to write it all down and get this thing that we then present without any conversation back. And I am definitely a conversation person. I like for people to disagree with me or agree, and we can then fight it out. That's how I work. So in effect, when I'm putting this together, I'm having this big row with myself and conversation sat at home with my laptop, thinking I've got to somehow convey without that argument, because you can't hear it, basically what it is I'm trying to put across. But we usually get there, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I was going to start with this because it made me laugh. Who celebrated Valentine's Day? Okay, not many people. That's great. <laughs> Glad to see we've got so, so much romance brewing within the Rock of York. We're unconventional, but when it comes down to love, well, you know. <laughs> anyway, the reason why I mention I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I never have, actually. Um, some people say you should. Well, it's just, I suppose if you want to go out for a meal, go out for a meal. If you want to buy somebody flowers, then do it whenever. It doesn't have to be a set day, I don't think, does it? Um, anyway, have any of you actually researched the history of Valentine's Day? Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to briefly just tell you because I thought this would be a great way just to start, right? I'm not preaching on Valentine's Day, by the way, but I just thought this would be quite good fun. So, this is where Valentine's Day comes from, folks. Ready? It was a Roman festival and feast that was held between the 13th and 15th of February to ward off the evil spirits and help build community, help build the community. And it began, the event began with sacrificing two male goats and a dog. Now, young women would line up naked to be whipped with the hides of the sacrificed animals in the belief that it would make them fertile. Which, of course, you know, why not? Why would it not make you fertile, eh? (laughs) Okay, then. Now, now, this is where it gets exciting. The feast would include, and this is the Valentine's bit, you can see where it's all starting to fit in. The feast would include a matchmaking lottery where names would be put into a jar and they'd pick, and basically then you'd be matched with someone just for the two-day festival if you, you know, thought, okay, well, I like this person for two days. Or, or if you actually really like the person, then it could potentially end up being a lifelong match. So they could, you know, not only do you go away fertile, you also go away with your lifelong partner. So you can see there was a lot of positives about it. Anyway, this is where it gets interesting. I might end up preaching on this, you never know. We then have this guy called Emperor Claudius, 
the second, must get that right, who executed two men both named Valentine on February the 14th on different years in the third century. Now this was honoured by the Catholic Church, of course it would be, with a celebration of Valentine's Day. Hence, they were both called Valentine's, so they called it Valentine's Day. Now notice this 14th fits within where the 13th and 15th, which was the Roman festival where they would kill these um, animals and whip and all that. So anyway, this is where the connection is. So of course, then you've got the festival where it was about love and coming together and matchmaking and all that. And then you've got these killing of the guys called Valentine. Later, the Pope muddled things up by combining Valentine's Day during the Roman festival on the 14th in between to try and expel the pagan rituals that he felt were inappropriate. The only difference being that they were no longer allowed to be naked. They had to wear clothes. <laughs> Hence, that's where Valentine's Day came from. That's quite fascinating, that, isn't it? I don't know why I told you. I just thought it was fun. It was just really it. So there you go. If you learn anything, don't learn anything other than that tonight, then you've learned something, which is good. Yeah. Right, so what do I want to talk about tonight? Firstly, where does it say? Unconventional by design. We say this a lot, running the race marked out for us. Um, what does unconventional mean? We can say it a lot. It's a word that has become part of our vocabulary now. Um, sometimes I'm not sure whether we actually fully really come to grips with actually what that word means. Um, to be unconventional, in very simple terms, means that we don't fit in within what you would consider the mainstream way of thinking. Yeah? Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be bad. Some people believe that to be unconventional, you deliberately cause friction just to be annoying. That is not what we're talking about here. Just because you believe that the path that the running the race marked out for you happens to be unconventional because you maybe think slightly different or you're willing to ask questions that other people won't ask doesn't mean you are deliberately going out of your way to cause a problem. Now, for those who it's different to, now we all have to be honest here, we don't like differences. Differences often cause friction and that's where the problem comes. When someone's different around me, I believe they're doing it deliberately to annoy me. And they're not. They're just a person. They've got different ways of thinking. It's not that they are deliberately going out of their way to irritate me. Yeah? And we all have to remember that. And I think we can all be guilty of believing that sometimes. Now, you will be sat in here tonight waiting to hear what is going to be said. You're probably already absolutely blown away by the Valentine's thing. But in effect, you, what's so wonderful about being unconventional is... The other thing that's opposite to unconventional is conventional. Now, to be conventional, I would say a good word for union that is cloning. Everything looks the same, fits within a mold, has a very, very established pattern, right? And it demands a certain amount of conformity. Do you understand what I mean by that? Now, I would say one of the things the Rock of York doesn't demand is conformity, because what we don't want is a group of cloned people. That's not what we're looking for at all. Sorry? Yo, you're doing okay. I'm glad you're here. Good to see you. Um, we don't want a group of cloned people. We want a group of individual people who come and are able to express themselves, find out things that they feel and that they believe, 
One of the things that I struggled with all my life is what I believed wasn't something that I believed from my own accord. It was something that had been passed down to me that I felt if at any point in my life I was to question or disagree, somehow that would be a problem. When actually, you only need to watch how Jesus worked. He was throwing everything up in the air and saying, for crying out loud, you've heard it this way, but now I'm telling you this. And the Pharisees are going, oh, like, no, that means that people won't conform. And the mess is great. That's what this this earth is about. It's about creating and fluidity and learning and growing. If we were all the same, there'd be nothing to learn. So it's important we remember that. And I know that that's kind of just started my message, but this is very exciting. And it's exciting for you as an individual because what it does is it frees you to connect as a corporate body, but within your own individual expression. And as I'm talking tonight, there will be things that you disagree with. And I don't care. I'm honest. No, they won't. If there is, get out. There will be things that you might think, oh, I'm not sure about that yet. Not quite sure. I'm not where you are yet, right? But there might also be things that you thought, finally, I've needed to hear that and it's okay. Yeah. There might be some things that I say that might not be completely right. It's just it's my journey. I would like to believe that the spirit that I'm bringing it is one of a positivity and to say, actually, this is about growth and it's about learning. We should never be presenting anything just to make a point. It should always be with the spirit of trying to grow as people. That is ultimately our goal. So with that said, this is the title of my preach. Can I have the first slide? It is finished. Now what? Now what? Yes. Thank you, Diamond. Now what? You're probably thinking, how does that work? That's what I wanted it to create, all right? Now you'll understand where this all fits in soon. I'm going to start by talking a little bit about Adam and Eve, right? Now, most of you will have heard my Toxic Whispers series that I did. Yeah, the whole concept of how something happens here, but over the years you end up here, and it is absolutely nothing like what was said right at the beginning, but here we are believing this, and yet if we were to go back to see what actually was said or done, we'd be quite shocked at some of the things that we've created. Um, and it happens with everything in life. It's not just, just biblical. It, it happens with all, all things. Remember the thing about the ham, where the, the, I can't remember the exact story, but it was actually kept putting the, cutting the ends off for the oven, and yet, why, why are you chopping the ends of your ham off? Well, because that's what my mum always did. Well, you don't need to now, because you've got a pan big enough, yeah, and a bigger oven. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah? <clears throat> but I'm gonna, I want to start with a little bit about Adam and Eve, because I think there's a lot to learn from it, and hopefully, this is actually the majority of it. The final bit, this bit, is actually quite quick, really, because it, it summarizes itself very easily, Right, So I'm going to set you up so when we get to that point, the conclusion is very quick and hopefully it will make a lot of sense to you. So in the beginning, we have Adam and Eve. Now, some people suggest that possibly the story of Adam and Eve may be allegorical, i.e. just a story to represent certain things. Or some people believe it's categorically it was real, right? Either way, I'm not particularly bothered what you think. And again, what we've just been saying, you can believe what you would like to believe about that. Because at the end of the day, as long as it takes us to a greater understanding, whether there were real figures or whether there were, for example, my granddad was a real figure. Some of you never met him. That doesn't stop him from being real and you learning from some of the things that we learned from him that we can pass down to you. Does that make sense? So 
when they were first in the garden and creation had happened, it says they walked and talked with God in the, in the cool of the whatever. I can't even remember the words. I'm not going to try and be poetic. Um, they were completely at one. There was a oneness about their experience in the garden. Now you have two trees. You have the tree of life and you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, let's be clear here. They were both put there by the creator. One wasn't put there by God and the other by the devil. We'll just, we'll just clarify that. Two trees were placed in the garden, right? Now, the reason why I believe two trees were placed there is because in life, you have to have contrast. If you don't have contrast, there is no free will. You just put a tree of life there. You don't give man the right and the opportunity to be flexible in his feelings and beliefs. In effect, he would have been a puppet on a string that even now would be walking around. Everything would be programmed, in effect, by a puppet master, Where is the joy and the life in that? There is none, is there? And remember, another thing, you can't experience joy unless you've experienced pain. You wouldn't know what it was. So all of the amazing things that you feel in your life, you need to be thankful that you've experienced the opposite. It may have been incredibly painful and no one is denying that, but that experience then gives you the right when then you have an experience of love or kindness or grace to think, wow, this feels great. Does that make sense? Good. Now, there's been a lot of different opinions of what the eating of this fruit caused. Lots of different opinions. And you go on Google, you could sit for hours looking at the differing opinions of when Adam took of that, Adam and Eve took of that fruit, what it created. Now, like I say, if you want to go listen to the Toxic Whisper series that I did, I touched quite a lot on some of the thoughts behind that, but I can't cover it now. One of the things that I'd come up with was that taking of the tree, which was the knowledge of good and evil, good remembers in there as well, not just evil, good and evil, right and wrong, it caused a disconnection and a discord because good and evil makes us observers and judges instead of creators. Hear that. Right and wrong, good and evil criteria make us observers and judges instead of creators, right? It strips us of oneness, joy, and appreciation because we become aware of everything and makes us separate instead of united. Quite simply, that's what I believe the taking of that tree created, right? Now, I don't believe necessarily that the taking of that tree, and I'm going to get to this, was the determining factor of what all of us would feel and think, right? I'll get to it in a minute, don't panic. (laughs) Because I would like to believe that in my life now I have a tree of life and a tree of knowledge and good and evil that God has given me the right to choose which one I want to take of. I would like to believe that. Because in my life there are days and there are times when I do eat of the tree of life and I feel that at one with my father. I do feel at one, I feel like I'm creating, I feel like there's a unity there. But there are other times, and I have to be honest, where I am completely stuffing my face from the other tree, right? Fruit everywhere, because I'm so obsessed that, well, this person's doing this, and this person's doing this, and this isn't right, and this isn't right, and well, I'm not good enough, and that person's better than me. What is that creating? Discord. Where is God in all that? He's looking and thinking, ah, you know, it's all a big mess because it's, it's sight and there's a real issue here that you're observing everything and yet I'm just wanting to be at one with you and create all these incredible things that you can have. Now, 
Why am I talking about this? It's very important that will take us to the it is finished part. You've heard the term original sin or inherent sin, right? It's a concept that has been discussed over time. Some people suggest it's not biblical, but again, like we've said, you can find anything in the Bible to, to support your feelings and beliefs. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to try and come to a positive conclusion of something that's going to free us into a, into a, greater, a greater life. Now, what I just said there about the taking of the tree, it was at that point that people say that sin suddenly gushed into the world and caused a real problem for the rest of humanity, right? Now, I'm happy to go with that if the thing that gushed in was that all of us became aware and our sight caused a problem. What I'm not sure about is what people have said gushed in um, that come up with all sorts of, well, this is bad and this is wrong and this is a bigger sin than this sin and it's it's all got very messy. And yet, actually, he took of a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil, right? Now, all of us are guilty of that, right? So I think sometimes maybe it's been taken into areas that doesn't necessarily get discussed within Scripture. Now, I'm just going to lay out a few points just for you to think about. You don't have to agree. When they're taken of the tree, God never actually mentioned inherited sinfulness in the curse, wasn't mentioned. And again, I'm I'm quoting now what you can find. Only that for Adam, it would be a struggle to grow his food through toil, he would grow, and death would now be a fact of life. That was actually the curse that was placed upon Adam. He doesn't say, from now on, all humanity is stained because of you, right? It's not there. So you've got to understand that, again, it was very specific to a situation. Now, it's interesting because I've been looking at the whole thing of the wrath of God as well. The wrath of God in the Old Testament is often, well, pretty much all the time that I found it, is more directed toward the acts and behaviors of men rather than men. So, why are you Israelites behaving this way? Why are you treating people so badly? It's not you're a bunch of lunatics and I don't like you. It's to do with the spirit behind what's going on. See, God's not for wars and fighting and anger and bitterness and that's not how he works. So you've got to understand that causes a massive issue. And the wrath part is, my wrath is towards all of that nasty stuff. We should all be wrathful towards horrible stuff, not the person we should be wrathful towards people who are struggling, who, who have, have lost loved ones, who have faced horrible things. We should be wrathful towards all those horrible things, but not towards the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we want to seek life to be much better. Is this making sense so far? Adam disappears after Genesis 5. You don't hear from him again until Chronicles 1. He's in a list of about a thousand names. And sadly, he isn't spoken about with any great information, just a name. So there's no comment on this guy basically started this whole downfall. Do you hear where I'm going with this? I'm just trying to set the scene. Again, when Cain murders Abel, Adam's not blamed. You could say it was Adam's fault. If all of a sudden someone has this desire to murder, why isn't Adam blamed? In fact, and I love this. God actually speaks to him and says, you have got a choice, Cain, make it it a good one. Isn't that amazing? So he was offering 
came the same opportunity as was offered to Adam in his own journey and his own experiences. I just think that's awesome. That makes me think that's wonderful because God's offering me the same all the time. And I think it's so exciting. So Adam is also not blamed for the flood. Not mentioned. Do you know where I'm going with this? Right? I'm not trying to make a point. I'm trying to show you that it's not actually written about. And some of the things that we've come up with potentially, and this is what I'm going to get to, redirect our focus even when we get down to Jesus, of then potentially what he was trying to do. Do you get that? The trajectory of where you start will ultimately result in a very different outcome of where you end, depending on what your original beliefs are, right? So, I personally believe that the sin that we talk about is an awareness of right and wrong and good and evil. It's to do with sight and not faith. Do you hear that? To do with sight and not faith. If you can't see something, you can't, you can't assess which category it goes into. You see, right and wrong is all about categories. It's all about, if, when we talk about the enemy or the devil or Satan, whatever you want to talk about, I believe that that's what that spirit is. It's, it's category. It's about splitting people off, keeping things divided. And we're not about division. It's about life. It's about unity. It's about walking the journey together. The Pharisees, what were they trying to do? All the time, separate. They're the bad ones. We're the good ones. Now, the only sin that seemed to bother Jesus was the stone throwing and the finger pointing of the Pharisees. He seemed quite at home, sat with the tax collectors, the prostitutes and the murderers. Now, don't forget that. If that was to be happening now, or different minority groups that we now struggle with, or we now feel are the, the um, separate groups, you're going to remember that's where Jesus would likely be. And we've got to remember that we can look back to stories of Jesus where it was very specific to a certain culture of the time. So when they say, for example, and forgive me for saying this, when they talk about adultery, back then, and in some Middle Eastern countries it still is, they still stoned for it now. Here, and I'm not condoning it, but what I'm saying is, it's part of people's experiences now. So we don't now hold that as being this, well, you know, okay, maybe it's not a great choice, but we wouldn't say, you know, it just, it happens do you see what I'm saying? But there's other things that we would still label as being the bad, win, bad ones. Does that make sense? And that's where Jesus would be. We've got to ask yourself the question, would you be there? Are you happy to be there? It's a challenge to us all, isn't it? So, you can only have a legal system where there's right and wrong. What did Jesus come to, came to obliter, obliterate? The law. Quite interesting that, isn't it? Exactly. Let's not cast the first stone. So he came to obliterate it because he didn't want categories. Does that make sense? He said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. All who are weary. That doesn't mean good or bad. That just means people, yeah? Now, there's a struggle. This is where sometimes people start to you know, think, oh, well, okay. We can believe that with somehow without the inherited sin of Adam, what then is the reason then behind Jesus and the sacrifice and all of that. Well, this is what I'm going to get to in a minute. And I think it was really exciting. But like I've said, depending on your view of what happened, it will drastically affect the way that we look to the cross. Now, it is finished is an incredible statement. But 
potentially has different meanings. So here we go on to the, on to the understanding of it now. Chris spoke about a couple of months ago, was it, when we did the uh, atonement theories, if you came to that Wednesday, where she listed all of the, the different atonement theories. Um, again, you can find them online. She talked about the penal substitutionary atonement theory. Now, Anthas also touched a lot on this one, which basically only was introduced in the 16th century. So it was one of the latest atonement theories to actually come into play. However, it's now one of the most used within the context of, of the mainstream church, which is bizarre, isn't it? Because it's not actually what our forefathers believed, but what we've actually been handed down now is something that was introduced really way, 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 way after all of it kind of happened. Now, if you don't know what the penal substitutionary atonement theory is, it refers to the doctrine that Christ died on the cross as a substitute for sinners. God imputed the guilt of our sins to Christ and he, in our place, bore the punishment that we deserved. This was a full payment for sins, which satisfied both the wrath and the righteousness of God, so that he could forgive sinners without compromising his holy standard. Now, I've always had an issue with that. It's not necessarily what I've always believed. And we've walked this journey now for months here that we've realized that that's actually not the God of Jesus and what Jesus was revealing to us. So... It is finished then, because if that's what we go with, it is finished simply meant full payment for sins to satisfy God's wrath um, because of his holy standard, which really means we were bad people, Jesus had to die in order that then God could be back in relationship with mankind. But what if it's even better? Just what if the story is better, right? Could it possibly be better? I think so. It's right that one of, one of the meanings of this word is paid, and it comes from the root word, this. To telestai, that's the root word, and one of the meanings is to be paid. It is suggested that the word, to telestai, was written across financial documentation when a debt had been paid in full. Now, can you see where the link has happened here? The belief that Jesus was making payment to God for sins and this whole concept of this was the word that was written because it does come from the root word paid. They've now used that, they've transferred that understanding of to telestite on financial documents to mean, well, that, then that's it. Paid in full must mean that he was paying for our sins in full. But here's the issue. And this is where the problem lies. If you're addicted to smoking the worst thing that you can do is say no to smoking. Did you know that? If you're addicted to smoking, the worst thing you can do is say no to smoking, right? And why? While ever you're saying no to smoking, what are you thinking of? Exactly. So your focus is still actually on cigarettes. So while ever you say no to smoking, you are still likely to want to smoke because the very essence of your conversation is still talking about cigarettes. It's like that with any addiction, actually. The only way you can change how you feel about smoking is by finding a new point of focus in order that that no longer becomes your attention, right? Now, let's transfer it to this understanding of Jesus. Now, and this is how I've always felt in my life, so I'm being very open and honest here. When it is finished is referring to debts being paid in full to an angry God, the focus of the cross then becomes Jesus died because God is angry, for my sin, 
My focus then is on the fact that somehow I'm a really bad person. Does this make sense? So I start thinking, oh, but then I must be really bad and I must have been this really horrible person. And is it really fixed? Is it really paid? Or am I somehow, have I really understood it all? And you kind of, I did live my life very much in eggshells thinking like, well, am I okay? Am I safe? You know, what if it didn't fully pay it or whatever? So the focus of my thought was, Jesus died so that because I was a sinner, which again, there's many other aspects you can look at. I'm taking one road here so understand where I'm coming from. But my focus then was somehow that I was bad. And that's not really, I believe, where God wants us to come from in our lives. I think he wants us to feel worthy of his love and worthy of a connection with him. Did you know that the greatest fear in the church, and this is statistical based on like um, analysis of people, is that they might not be accepted or saved. They worry that they're not saved, right? 95% of the altar calls are still people who have been saved before who feel like they have to go up again in case it didn't work. Now, it, that's quite interesting, isn't it? It's quite sad, that. Because clearly, there's something that they don't feel quite settled with. And again, it's like what I said before. If the cross only points out that they were bad, whether you think, oh, well, that's great because I'm saved, it actually still makes you feel somehow I'm not good enough, which means, well, I better go back out again because I might get this experience where somehow I feel redeemed. Remember, the cross was about redemption. And if all it ever does is remind us of how bad we are, that's not redemption, is it? The cross was about redeeming people, not about making people feel bad. Is this making sense? Good. I'm nearly there. So it is finished, which was supposed to somehow transform people's lives in this context, doesn't actually seem to be working very effectively. So this word to tell us die, if you can put up the next slide, this is where it gets so exciting now. It's found all over scripture and is only ever twice used referring to financial payment. All the other times it is used, to use paid in full wouldn't make sense. So for example, we have all the things written about the Son of Man shall be accomplished, which is that to tell us die. This, that, uh, Luke twenty two thirty seven. this that is written must yet be accomplished. Wouldn't make sense. This that is written must yet be paid in full. Doesn't work in that term. Then this one. And when they had fulfilled, that's to tell us die, all that was written about him. And when they had paid in full all that was written about him, you can see that doesn't work in that context. So we have to understand then that the root word to tell us die has many other meanings. Now, people have chosen to focus on one as in paid, but this is where I got so excited when I read what this word meant. I nearly jumped off my seat. I didn't, though. Listen to this, and I think it's brilliant. Consummation, do you know what that means? It's basically the act of making a marriage or relationship complete by having sexual intercourse, right? Now, you probably think, oh, that's a bit graphic. Oneness, hearing me? Oneness. I am in you, you are in me, we become one, okay? Completion, properly to complete, consummate, finish qualitatively the necessary process, and I love this, with the results of rolling over to the next level phase of consummation. Are you getting excited? You should be. This route, tell, means, have I got that bit up there? No, haven't, yes, means reaching the end aim, 
It is well illustrated with the old pirate's telescope unfolding, extending out one stage at a time to function at full strength, capacity, effectiveness. Now, I think that's awesome. That's, that's the root word, it is finished. Paid is also in there. It's interesting that they've gone for the paid part and this bit's got mess, missed out. But when I read paid, I think, okay, it's nice when people pay for something, isn't it? I'm not saying that that's bad. But when I look at that and think, wow, this looks so much more um, full and rich and positive, there's something to latch onto here. And you'll see how all this adds in in a minute. So, why did I put now what? Because you see, if we go with what it's saying there, the results of rolling over to the next level, it is finished becomes a paradox. How would you roll over to the next level if it's finished? Could possibly be something that was happening on the cross was rolling over into everyday experience for people. That the spirit that was there was accessible from the second that he breathed his last to 2016, February, whatever date we're on right now, this very second. A very tangible, very real experience still exists right now for you sat where you are. How awesome is that? Now that excites me that the very essence of it is finished means right now you're in it. Brilliant, isn't it brilliant? See, it is finished is not about escapism. Because of Jesus, my place in heaven is now secure. We've understood that that was something that we'd completely kind of got skewed with on. My life isn't great here, so at least it is finished means I can have a better one when I die. That's, that, that's not what life is about. Life is about living, surely. And that's what Jesus was saying. Do you not know that the kingdom is within you? It was about now. It was about a very real experience. He wasn't trying to sweep people up to the great by and by and playing harps in the sky. He was saying, we're living now. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to extend this story on? The finish, that the, it is finished that we've come to understand, I don't believe, is the spirit of Tetelestai. That when Jesus declared those words on the cross, he was trying to get across. I believe it was something more powerful. Yes, a payment might have been made for the choices of man. I'm fine with that. But in a positive way, and in a way that continues the story right now into our current generation. So here's where I'm going to start to wrap it up. I hope this has made sense, and I hope you're feeling the, the positive vibe behind it, because this is about freeing us into a greater way of thinking, right? I'm going to reword a scripture. I'm not even going to reword it, I'm going to add to it, right? I've taken the scripture and I've added a big chunk in the middle. You're all thinking, you can't do that. It's the book of Joel, the second, right? No, what, I, what I've basically done is I've taken, it is finished and I've written it as if it read this way, the difference that it would create when we read it. Because if you think it is finished was a left open term, unless you go searching for the word, again, like I've said, you will only believe what has been presented as the, the story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it first. Can take it off a sec? Take it off, take it off, take it off, take it off. I'm going to read it first, and then I'm going to put it up on the screen if you want to take a picture, right? So you all know this scripture well. When he had received the drink, 
Jesus said, I have completed my journey here. I have fulfilled the necessary process of revealing what God actually looks like, shattering the faulty, misconstrued viewpoints of a forgetful people and restoring a father's lost reputation. Is is this exciting, yeah? Good. My work here is now done and I leave my legacy in the hope of mankind catching the baton and rolling over to the next level all the truths that you have learned. Still excited? Good. It is my hope that my actions here have reinstated the bond between God and man, and it is as strong as the intimacy between two loving individuals. This is the end of my chapter, but the last word is still not yet spoken, for while ever there is breath, there is hope, and just like a telescope, this story continues to unfold and extend one stage at a time, learning and growing in order to function to the full capacity in which you were created. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That's to tell us die. Now I'll put it up. You can take a picture. Do you see the difference in sound? Now, listen, there is, it sounds sometimes when you have to present something like, okay, well, you know, but paid in full, did a little. I haven't said that that understanding is wrong in the respects of, uh, you have to hear me. It's not that believing that something was being paid was not happening. It's the context of how it's been presented that is the problem. So if somebody, it says, no greater love has man than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. Making a payment like that is flipping amazing. It's flipping brilliant. When we talk about payment, like I've said before, from a point of negativity of being unworthy, that's where then it starts to have a problem. I believe God is a positive God. I believe he's for people. I believe he's into reconciling people. I believe he's into the saving business, not saving people from hell, but saving people from their own torment of what it is that they're experiencing in their own lives. That's the God I know. That's the God of Eden. That's the God that we can have every single day when we're not so obsessed with stuffing our face from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Make sense? Great. What God was showing us in Jesus was not supposed to be a one-time event. He says, greater things will you do than I. Why do you think, again, I said it before, the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is expansive. God does not stop. God is growing. God is is teaching, God is, uh, I can't even think of words because it's God. If God ended there and it is finished was final, then to some degree, we're now really just plodding along with no real purpose. And remember what Ant said about purpose. If you don't have purpose, well, we've said before, at least like, is it lethargy the word when things just feel lethargy, 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 yeah, something like that. It wasn't a one-time event that was supposed to stop there. It was supposed to be the influence to completely change the way that all mankind would treat one another, would behave, would understand their context to God and ultimately revolutionize the world that we live in. So we look from Jesus forward, 
Do you understand? This is the point. We, st- we start from this spirit here and now we work forward. If we're only ever looking back, we can't evolve. We can't change. We can't learn. We can't grow. It's supposed to propel us forward. So Jesus to me is an, inf- an incredible, incredible inspiration expressed from God in order to show us that we've completely forgotten how at one with the Father we can be. We can have it, people. We can have it. And I want that to be our story in our lives. I look at what Chris and Anthony taking over to India, and it's life. It's just life after life after life. These people are being completely changed, completely transformed. And why? Because that same spirit that was in Jesus now continues. Jesus didn't go and help women with AIDS in India. He helped a different group of people. We now, in 2016, are the continued expression of that now. Don't ever forget that. You will be in your life being Jesus to someone all the time. Don't ever forget that. So let this inspire you. I hope it's encouraged you. I hope it hasn't freaked you out. At the end of the day, it's not supposed to. All this stuff is important and it's expanding our brains. You know, you were born with a brain that needs expanding. Yeah? You've got a frontal lobe that, that is there to be stretched, to, to experience and learn and all of this great stuff. Let's not close ourselves off. Let's be open. Let's be willing to learn. Um, and if you've got any questions, please shout out as long as it's not difficult ones, as long as you don't disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in my trailer. <laughs> but thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed your night and I hope it's been of some use. Even if 50% you can take away, great. That's all I'm bothered about. I'm sure there'll have been one point in there tonight. Jenny said to me earlier, can we focus on the positive and not the negative? Uh, we started out by saying right and wrong, good and evil. We'll find out whether we understand that by whether already when we leave, we're comparing the things that we didn't like and we did like, or whether we can just say it brought life in some way to me, some way, and that's great. I'm richer for being at the rock tonight. Are you all richer for being here? I'm richer. I feel bigger and more expanded, and so it's great, yeah. Anyway, love you lots, and we will see you on Wednesday for film night. All right, take care. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.